What is up, podcast listeners? Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Project Empowered. On this week's exciting episode, I had the pleasure to sit down with Dougie Scott, a holistic lifestyle coach, sports therapist, and certified breath coach. Really, really interesting guy, really, really fascinating story as well as how he ended up being a holistic lifestyle coach and why he is so passionate about what he does. That being said, it's came to my attention that I haven't actually addressed what my intentions are going forward with this podcast. Now, taking it all the way back, if you will, to the first episode of this podcast, I wasn't sure what my intentions were for this podcast. I wasn't sure where I wanted it to go. But the more that I've done it, the more I've realized that my intentions going into the future with Project Empowered is to create a community and grow a community of self-empowered people through deep dive conversations with fascinating, interesting and thought-provoking individuals. Now, I don't know about you, but certainly for me, I get quite a lot out of speaking to these people on the podcasts, learning about why they believe in certain things and learning about how they perceive the world and how they perceive different aspects of life. And I really, really have a deep fascination with that because it rubs off on me and hopefully it rubs off on you. That being said, if you are enjoying these podcasts and if you are getting some value out of them, it would mean the absolute world to me if you would consider asking your friends and family if they could tune in for just 15 minutes of this podcast and make their mind up to see if they enjoy it or not. And if they do, great. If they don't, no problem. Now that that's out of the way, really excited for this week's episode of Project Empowered as I'm really passionate about the topics that arised in this week's episode with Doogie. I hope you enjoy this episode. If you do, follow us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and if you're that way inclined, leave a review as it all contributes to the growth of this community and the growth of this podcast. So once again, thanks for tuning in and I hope you enjoy this week's episode of Project Empowered. So this is Project Empowered. I am Gary Tickle. My guest today is Doogie Scott. Doogie is a certified holistic lifestyle coach, sports therapist, and certified breath coach. Doogie is also the owner of Back to Balance Bathgate, which is a pain management and wellness clinic that helps their clients to improve their physical, mental, and spiritual well-being. So first things first, Doogie, I've been following your work for quite a number of weeks now, and I've got to say I really enjoy the message you're putting out there and, and the work that you do. So uh, thanks for that, and welcome to Project Empowered. Thanks, Gary, and well, thanks for having me. You know, uh, I've been uh, scheduled to come on for 
a couple of weeks now, but things have got a bit crazy as they are this year. But uh, we're here now, so exactly, lovely. And just for for people who are listening who are not watching it, you've got a, a red light shining across uh, on your screen at the minute. Are you able to describe that uh, and what that is for the people who are just who are just listening, or maybe yeah, so. This is just a little My Light Move from uh, a company called Myconja that I highly recommend. It is uh, red light and near-infrared. So I use this every day to help counteract the damaging effects of artificial light, the blue light spikes that we get from computers, from um, all our lights that are in our houses, and our clinics, things like that. Um, but yeah, there's a lot to it. Photo uh, biomodulation, it's called, if people want to to dive deeper into the science of it, but it is fantastic for you. It's a way of biohacking, let's say, um, the, the, the healing uh, rays that we get from the sunlight that we should get every day. But as a, as a society, um, we, we're kind of indoors, especially this time of year. We spend the majority of our time indoors when we should be outside in nature. And that's something that you use every day, is it? Every day, yeah. So I do get out every day with my sunlight club, uh, sunrise club, but um, every day I do at least 10 minutes with the, the red light. And if I'm in, in my clinic where we've got really strong LEDs, they're probably they're one of the worst, to be honest, lights <laughs> for you. Um, I'll have the red light on, um, like I said, just to try and counteract the blue light spikes that you get from the LEDs. Nice one. And so... In the introduction there, um, I mentioned that you are a holistic lifestyle coach and off-air, I was explaining how I wasn't actually familiar with what that term is. And I, I imagine yep. probably quite a lot of people uh, still aren't aware of what that term is. So for the people, are you able to explain what a holistic lifestyle coach is and why you're passionate and why you were drawn to become one? Yeah, of course. So, um, holistic lifestyle coaching, um, the training is done through the Czech Institute um, by Paul Czech, that some of your listeners might be familiar with. Um, he's a bit of a guru, to be honest. He's um, known very well in the strength and conditioning scene and um, holistic healers, to be honest. But I got into it as a qualified sports therapist and from getting people on the table that come in with several issues it was quite clear to see that we are as human beings we're a lot more complex than we think um, when we have pain pain is just a signal um, of some kind of dis-ease in the body and we're a series of systems that when one system's out, we can, it can have a knock-on effect through all these different systems. For example, if you have bad physical health, it's going to play on your mental health. And most kind of chronic issues will have emotional components to it. Um, so it's all about getting to the root cause and seeing you as a whole. Um, and looking into your lifestyle factors, um, looking into your diet, looking if you're moving enough, looking if you're moving too much looking if you are sleeping well, looking if you are um, hydrating, looking if you are doing the inner work 
um, how your how your mind's processing uh, your uh, maybe your limiting beliefs and things, and it's all connected into actually being optimised in, in in health. And this is how I got into it. I started training at the Czech Institute, and it's changed my practice completely. Um, we are as human beings, we're very complex, and we need to stop treating our bodies like we are machinery, like we're a car, um, where we go in and fix the brakes if you've got a bad shoulder, we just fix the brakes, rather than looking at the root cause, why did that shoulder go? If it wasn't for trauma, if it wasn't trauma that happened, why are you suddenly getting frozen shoulder? Why are you suddenly getting back issues? Why are you, you know, um, because at the end of the day, we we weren't built and put together like a car. We We started off as a single cell, and through mitosis, you know, we kept dividing, and here we are. Um, and Paul Check teaches um, to dive really deep in finding the root cause, and um, even so far as looking at past traumas, whereas traumas from your birth that you maybe can't remember, it's in your subconscious, or it's or, or you're you're holding it in your nervous system, or even uh, your family's past traumas. There's um, a lot of studies out now saying that traumas can be passed down four generations. Um, so you think about people that, you know, the wartime, your granddad and, uh, or your great-granddad or people that have been through the, the Holocaust and, and things like that. There's a lot of people are carrying quite a lot of trapped traumas. And as we were off here, we were talking about the, the book, the, the Body Keeps the Score. Absolutely fantastic book. Highly recommend for anybody that, that's interested in seeing that. Um, but I'm also a realist and I also know that quite a lot of people think that this kind of stuff is woo-woo stuff, you know, and I think it is the way that we've been programmed to think that we're in a, a this for that kind of society where we're quick to take medication for, oh, this will fix that and this will fix that. It doesn't. It's just dampening the, the, the symptoms or you know, taking the symptoms away because it's distracting you because, you know, it's strong opiates you're taking or anything like that. Um, the allopathic way of medicine, um, we're now all pre-programmed to think that. So when it comes to the holistic lifestyle coaching, it can be a hard sell. It can be a hard sell. When you're saying to people to commit to this, um, we are going to dive deeply. We're going to look at your lifestyle factors. We're going to look at what kind of environment you're in and the impact that it has on your body on your mind, on your emotional health, your spiritual health, um, but it takes time, and it and it takes a lot of um, participation with the client. They have to do the work. They have to um, work with you, work with the coach, to get to the root cause of this, um, which can take several months. Whereas we're still in this quick fix society. You know, everything's Amazon Prime. Everything's wanted the next day. Want fixed, sorted. And I totally get that. My practice is we do get the pain away first, then we look at why. Why did this happen? Why did it go? Um, you know, unfortunately, um, I don't like to badmouth certain um, practitioners, but people are just interested in the cash cow and they're happy for to give you a little bit of relief and you can come back next week. In fact, they'll even say to people, oh, that this certain injury or this certain condition, you're going to need 10 sessions, just book in with reception, and I'll see you next week for 10 sessions, which to me is just totally wrong, goes completely against everything that 
I've studied, I know um, that we all, lifestyle factors affects how quickly we heal. Simple as that. You get, you get one person in with a bad shoulder um, that diets on point, drinks plenty of water, sleeps like a baby, um, does proactive things for stress management like breath work, meditation, everything. They could heal a couple of weeks or whatever. You get somebody else come in with the exact same issue. They've got young kids. They've got a stressful job. They don't sleep very well. They, their diets, you know, three takeaways at least a week. They don't drink a lot of water, um, all these things. And it's going to take months. So how you can have somebody come into your clinic with a certain condition and be like, this is going to take 10 sessions, is they're after your money. But yeah, so that's a little bit about holistic lifestyle coaching. Um, if there is still some more questions, I'm happy to answer, um, as it is quite complex. Um, with the Czech Institute, we do work on our four doctors, uh, Dr. Happy, Dr. Quiet, uh, Dr. Diet, and Dr. Movement. So one of the things that we do is we see which doctor you really need to go and see first um, and work on it. And we do a series of questionnaires to figure out uh, where you are um, lifestyle-wise and if there is any kind of, I don't like the word red flags, but if there's any kind of signs, it's like this is, this is where we kind of need to look at um, to help you with this, the six foundational principles that are nutrition, hydration, breathing, um, movement, thinking and sleep yeah, is, is what we work on but yeah that's a little bit about holistic lifestyle coaching so that that even for someone who is very uneducated in the 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 practice as i am it makes sense to me that we're sort of it's counter what we've been programmed to to believe is that if we've got an ailment what we do is we go to our family gp that GP then prescribes us some prescription that you're not actually entirely sure is what it's what it says it is, and if it'll even if it even goes to the core of what the issue is. Like yeah. you're saying, it, it sounds like you've got a vetting process where you do learn about your client, you you engage with them, you find out what is maybe missing in the different points like you're saying that the different doctors and then you have a, a, a plan for there, which seems very, uh, very far away from what is the mainstream and what is the yeah. orthodox. Yeah. Well, I'm not, not for a single moment. I'm a bashing doctors and GPs and stuff. You know, they've got a very, very hard job and they just don't, they just don't have the funding or the time to actually ask these questions. You know, you'll get, you'll get certain doctors and, and a massive one down south is um, Dr. Rang and Chatterjee. He's trying to change the whole system um, as a practicing GP himself. Um, but it is, I mean, if you, you can imagine if you're seeing 40, 50 patients a day and you've got the average in nine minutes, how much are you actually going to get out them other lifestyle factors? You know, are you actually going to be able to because people are quite guarded when they, they get asked personal questions. You're actually going to get dive deep enough. You're not. So it is. It's this allopathic way of medicine that they're doing triage. They're looking if there's anything that they believe that they need to do more tests because they think that there's something 
pretty serious going on or it could be sinister, they'll, they'll send you a specialist to get a test or get, get a blood test done or anything. Other than that, it is symptom uh, suppression through medication. And we need to remember that the, the medication, unless it's antibiotics, medication isn't what's healing you. For example, back pain. Back pain normally, before you can even get an MRI, they'll give you painkillers and it depends how much you tell them you're, get, you're having pain is, is, is how strong an opiate you're going to get. Um, or if it's nerve pain, you'll get things like naproxen. Um, so they normally give it 13 weeks. 13 weeks before you can even get an MRI to look at your back and stuff. But that, even that, you're not, look, you're not diving into what's actually caused this. If it's not, if it's not trauma-related, where we're talking acute trauma, like you fell or you know, you've been in a car accident or something like that. You know, this just came on chronically. Um, 13 weeks on pain medication before they'll even, they'll even contemplate putting, uh, putting you through to, to get an MRI or any kind of scan to look at what's going on structurally. Um, and people do heal within those 13 weeks, but they need to remember that it's not, it's not the medication that they're taking that's healing them. It's you. It's your immune system that's healing. That's it. And there is, a, there is a place, even though as a holistic practitioner, there is a place for pain medication. There is a place for medication as a whole because if it helps somebody get a better sleep, for example, it's going to boost their chances of self-healing. But what I am against is the chronic, um, the, uh, given the medication for chronic disease and saying, that's it, you're, you're, you're just coming to the pain clinic and we're just going to give you more tramadol, whatever it is, um, and that's it. That's the best you can. That's the best you can do. Um, we're not going to dive any deeper to see what what we can change, light, uh, change lifestyle wise. And this is what Doctor Rang and Chatterjee is trying to do. He's saying before we give the medication, before we do the scans, before we do all this, we should look at the lifestyle stuff, and we should be prescribing people to do a little bit more exercise. We should be prescribing people to get out and reconnect with nature do some of these holistic practices like cold water immersion, breath work, these things that can boost their own immune system um, to heal for these conditions. And that's the way I hope it, I hope it starts to go because I think getting people on you know, lifetime scripts of opiates, is, is, that should be the last thing. That should be the vet. We have exhausted every single thing to do. Um, that, that should be... That should be the way that medicine works. And, and to be honest, when you go to medicine, I think we should be teaching health rather than teaching medicine. I think if we were to actually, you look at even this, what's going on with COVID, you know, there's enough information out there now to say people that are vitamin D deficient um, or obese or have all these chronic issues, autoimmune stuff, um, are at a higher risk in it. So why is the government not, saying, right, this is the great awakening. This is the, we need to sort our nation's health. Even if you just take it away from the UK and you put it to Scotland, you look at other nations of similar population and we trump them all in COVID deaths. Why is that? And that isn't down to, oh, the way it was handled, the way this is, where is that? It is take, stop being a child and take some responsibility. We are an unhealthy nation. That's it. We need to change our lifestyle. 
you know, we've got a massive drink culture in, in this country, a massive uh, deep fat fryer culture in Scotland where we deep fry our Mars bars. <laughs> you know, we need to look at all these things and change. That's it. You know, you look at the, the essential um, key workers and things that are still open, all your takeaways are still open. And they want us to hunker down in fear and get this vaccine. That's going to make us healthy. It is not going to make us healthy. What's going to make us healthy is looking after your four doctors. That's what's going to make us healthy. Mm-hmm. Well said. And it's, it's funny because that reminds me of, like, especially when you said about this whole COVID situation, is when, for me, when, when the shift from, uh, you know, trusting your own immune system to trusting in this drug or this vaccine or this prescription or this opiate to solve your problems. I mean, it feels like you're already putting yourself a bit of a detrimental, detrimental spiral because you're relying on something external to fix something internal. And I mean, if you're looking at, for instance, I've got a fascination and I I love doing meditation. And if you want, if you, it feels like if you want to change something, I've mentioned on the podcast before, you need to change something internally for you to have a change externally in your environment. So what's different for when it comes to your health? What, like, if you're always looking for something external to fix something internal, you're, you're, you're going to have a prescription list the size of your forearm. Yep. If I'm being honest. And, and obviously, I'm, I don't know a lot about this field, but that just seems something that rings true to me in my gut. Your intuition's bang on there, Gary. It is. We always we, we do that. I don't know if it, it's our programming, but it's back to this kind of this for that mentality. We're always looking externally to heal us, where it's internally we need to look at. And I lo- absolutely love this say, uh, saying: um, is trying to improve your circumstances by focusing on external factors is like trying to change your handwriting by changing the pen it's not going to change you have to look inwards with awareness and start responding rather than reacting and that's 90 percent of your transformation is if you can work on changing your inner reality and it's going to change your circumstances and that includes health yeah so working on your inner your inner self affects your your outer reality yep Nice yeah. one. So, so let's take it all the way back if we can, Doogie. If you could help me yeah. paint a picture of the young Doogie Scott growing up, your upbringing, and your story leading up to where you are now. Because obviously we've been in contact before and, and it's not the traditional sort of path to where you are now. And I think you've got an interesting, interesting sort of journey to where you are. Um, so if you yeah. can paint a picture of, of sort of of, of how that happened for you yeah well interesting for some like we'll see um, <laughs> we, we spoke about this uh, I always like to try and keep my ego in check here so um, anything that I'm saying I, I really I'm trying not to be egotistical at all um, but yeah my, my upbringing um, so I was uh, born in West Lothian Scotland and just I'm a twin brother I've got a twin brother um, so yeah, a pair of twins growing up in, in uh, West Lothian, Bathgate. Um, we were at school and we were, we were a bit 
Dennis the Menace, let's say, we got we got into a little bit of trouble and things, but um school we both kinda didn't really enjoy much. Um and I always wanted to the, the, my best subjects were uh P and biology, which kinda tells you something straight away there. Um it's what I was interested in. And I kinda had a um aim of being a physio. Um but then one day when I was in fourth year, so we're, we're both 16, uh, my twin brother, Kami, came home with the uh, Royal Marine uh, recruitment thing, and it was all Gucci-looking. Again, you had the guy with the cam cream on, uh, green beret coming out the water and all this, and I was like, oh, that's well cool. That's well cool. And he was like telling my mum and dad, I think I'm, I'm going to go, go for this or whatever, and I was like, that's well cool. Bit jealous, like um, I'm gonna have a look at that as well. Got talking to him, and he was like, "Well, why don't we both go? Why don't we both go and see about it?" So we did. Um, we ended up going to the uh, Ministry of Defence thing. That was the Army and the Navy and Royal Marines and everything there. And we got chatting to them all, and um, we ended up joining the Army. And we joined the Army and went away to training. Um, Again, this feels like I was kind of riding my brother's coattails and just going with, oh, he's going and that looks cool. So I didn't want to just be the boy that was still at school, do you know what I mean? And he was away traveling the world and everything. So I kind of got dragged into that way, even though I, I, I eventually loved it um, and excelled. We were in phase one training in the army and we seen a regiment called 2-9 Commando Regiment. And... Um, these guys were walking about, Green Beret on, they had their, their parachute wings on one side and they had their commando dagger on the other side and it was just like, whoa, those guys look cool as anything, that, that's what I want to try and be in. And we were one of the one of the fittest in, in our platoon at the time, so we decided that that's what we're going, we're going to put ourselves forward to, to go for the commandos. Um, and that was in... 2002, 2003, yeah. So we then passed out and everything went to phase two training and they start gearing, gearing you up um, for the commando course, getting you really fit, doing the extra, uh, extra fizz. And we went to 2-9 commando and had to go to Royal Marine Limston and pass the commando course, which fortunately both did uh, first time, which was quite an experience with your twin brother. Um, I believe we, we may have been the, the first twins to actually pass the uh, commando course together, um, which and always gave me a boost seeing my brother. You know, there would be certain times where you'd be hanging out and the rain's hitting you horizontally and you're thinking, why, what am I doing here? And you'd look in the distance, say you're marching with, with your Bergen and stuff on. I would say that's, that's my brother's section there and he's maybe a mile in front of me and, well, at least I know I'll get there because he's got there and... Aye, so that's just kind of the mentality. We got through it, uh, got a green lids in 2004. Um, so we're commandos and we were posted to 7 Commando Battery up at uh, Royal Marine Condor. Uh, our broth as part of 4-5 Commando Group um, and 3 Commando Brigade Royal Marines. And yeah, we did, we served six years and we did... Jungle training, Arctic training, desert training from Norway, Belize, America, and 
we did um, Operic 5, which is Afghanistan, um, in 2006-2007. And we then both decided we lost, um, we lost a really good friend um, out there, um, Dubs, and that kind of hit home a little bit. We both had aspirations to go Special Forces, um, and, and, and Dubs as well had aspirations to go Special Forces as well. We actually had planned to we get what's called post operations leave, portal leave. Um on our portal leave when we get back from Afghanistan was you got like two months off. Um we we're gonna train. We we're gonna train for the Hills phase for um SAS and SBS selection. But unfortunately, um Dubs died out there. So yeah, it was a bit a bit of a, a traumatic scene and it hit home like the realities, the realities of war. Because war, you've got the highest of highs and the lowest of lows, um, some of the best and worst times um, out there. And that's why it's really hard for some people to recover from it, and they they come back traumatized, uh, sadly. Um, but yeah, so we we got uh, talking uh, about our future. Like, are are we going to stay in? Are we are we going to go for uh, SAS or SBS? And we were honest the first time we had really been honest with each other and kind of said like, I don't, I don't want you, I don't want you to go special forces because we'll, we'll not be in the same patrol. Um, this is if we pass, but we wouldn't be in the same patrol. We would be separate and I'd maybe not even know where you are or even worse, I maybe do know where you are and I know that it's getting hit like hell and imagine being like, oh, you know, tens up being in, singing just now and I'll be thinking that's where Cami is or whatever and having seen all that with my best mate and thinking imagine that was my twin brother you know it'd be like you could you could just take me to Kirstairs just now that's that's the way it kind of felt like so we decided um to get out and um, I also got I did six months out in Afghanistan and um, my brother and the rest of the regiment did seven Um I came back a month early to actually box in army individuals um, when I came back, the it put me in the position of my mum and dad, because it's just us two. And them not knowing what's going on out there, but me actually knowing what's going on out there, was like, wow, I can't keep doing this to my mum and dad. Like, you could just see the cycle that we were on. We would we'd come home, potty, a couple of little exercises, go away to Norway for three months after training. Pre-deployment training, boom, back to Afghanistan. And that is how it, it ran. Um, I think the regiment ended up doing three or four tours out there anyway. Um, I was like, oh, I can't keep doing this to, to mom and dad. It's killing them as well. Um, so we decided to get out. We got out and um, we had both bought our flat and we then had a mortgage to pay for. And we both kind of fell into a job as a prison officer. So this was not a job that we were like, oh, we want to do. It was more, we need it. We need something that's, that's stable, just like the military, that's going to pay our bills. And then we can kind of find our direction, where we, where we go. And we ended up in the prison service for 10 years. <laughs> um, initially, it was quite good. It was quite interesting. And kind of coming from that military background into the prison service, um, it was like a, it was an easy, it was an easy transition, you know. It was quite a, quite a hostile environment you're in, and you're used to being in a hostile environment. 
Um, there was quite a lot of ex-military there, so the banter was there. And at the same time, um, I'd stopped boxing and I had started mixed martial arts. We both had, actually. We both started doing mixed martial arts. So that kind of took our um, attention. We, we were just working just, just for... There was no purpose to it. We were just, we were just in the prison service. Um, getting through your day and getting to training. That was that was kind of... That was kind of my love and my purpose then was just, I just wanted to train and, and stuff. And looking back at it and self-evaluating, I was a I was an angry person. And I don't know if it was an angry person for what I'd been through in Afghanistan, because I think I was a little bit of an angry person before the military. But maybe this, you know, boosted it a bit. So I was doing MMA as an outlet for that emotion. Um, and I think I stayed in the prison service so long because, again, it was it was that environment that was quite stimulating to you. You know, you were you were on fight or flight all the time, to the point where you probably didn't even realise at the time. I do now, looking back, that you were on fight or flight all the time. You get so conditioned to that stress that you don't even realise that you are stressed to that. And then I, I met my, my wife and it just, I stopped MMA because um, I, I basically a previous uh, relationship fell apart. And when I look back, I wasn't really interested in that relationship. It was, I was married to mixed martial arts. I was just, that was it. Um, but then I met, met my wife and I stopped mixed martial arts. Um, and we actually spoke and, and realised that all this all this time, the the thing that's always I've always wanted to do is help others. I'm interested in health. Um, I wasn't I'm interested in sports. Obviously, doing uh, competing professionally at mixed martial arts. Um, so I thought, how can I how can I get this as my purpose? Uh, I like helping people. Really interested in health and sport. And I decided, right, I need to invest a lot of money in myself and go and study. And I started studying um, sports therapy. So I went part-time with the prison service. It was part-time night shift, which was really good because you got loads of time off. You basically worked um, one week a month and the rest you had off. So in that whole time, um, I was studying and um, I qualified as a sports therapist. And... Slowly built my business. I opened up um, Back to Balance uh, Bathgate. Started first off working from the house. Built the client base up. Um, got a small clinic in Bathgate. And then moved to a little bigger clinic um, just outside the mixed martial arts gym that I used to train. Um, and this is, this is where I am now. Um, and then like we've said, I went from sports therapy into the holistic lifestyle coaching. I've trained, what once I've got my holistic lifestyle coaching, I looked at diving a little deeper on the six foundational principles. Um, so I went uh, for breathing, I've done a lot of breath coaching. For thinking, I've done um, NLP courses, um, emotional freedom technique and TFT tapping, things like that. Um, a lot of meditation stuff for your Dr. Quiet. Uh, movement, I'm a DDP yoga instructor, 
Um, so yeah, just trying to uh, build up my knowledge for all of these um, the foundational principles. And yeah, business is going really well. And we've also started um, a men's group called Man Clan, which is a, a men's feeling and talking group with a, my colleague, uh, Jim Allison, who has helped a lot with me. I've, um, he's, he's pointed me in a lot of the, the right directions when it comes to coaching. Um, he's an emotional health coach, and we run that together. And he, he works out at Back to Balance Bathgate with me. And that's us up to present day. So, yeah. Beautiful. So self-evaluating in your, in your past, say when you're at your, your uh, time as, in the, as a prison officer, would you would you have benefited for, from having like a a, a man's clan type uh, environment so that you could, you know, relate some of your stressors or relate some of your emotions and, and talk? Would that have helped you out? Is that a sort of motivation for you starting something like that? Yeah, definitely. I th- I mean, I think I think it's getting better. I think there's a bit of a buzzword now with with mental health, um, which is only is only a good thing. Me personally, I, I don't like the the saying mental health because to me, it's just health. You know, it, that's what I want it to come to. I want it to come to, it's just health. Um, and mental health to get the exact same kind of acknowledgement as physical health um, when it comes to the workplace or, or anything. Um, but yeah, I think the environment as a prison officer is it's not a very nice environment to work in and as soon as you understand that your environment affects your dna and 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 affects your health then you need to do something about it if you don't do something about it then well you're just you're being ignorant to the fact of it it's a very hostile environment there's a lot of hidden stressors in that job um but for me, uh, it, it was a. I'm, I'm, I, don't, I don't regret going into the prison service. I met fantastic people that are friends for life. Um, it got. I seen what, you know, the side of, of society that is behind closed doors, uh, people don't get to see. And a lot of the people that are inside prison are ill. Mentally ill, they have been through so much trauma in their life, and they do get help in there um, with the psychologists and stuff. But you know, it's like, why? How how do people get here? How do how do people end up at this? And you know, at the time, at the time, I was the guy that was just, I was just angry, and I was like, ah, whatever, you know, these assholes, whatever. Um, but now, when you actually think about it, go, these people have been through so much. And I've not got that support um, network. They've not got that connection. They've not. They've got no purpose in life. They're just living day to day, and you know it leads to you know things like selling drugs, say robbery or anything. Um, and you need to look again. This is kind of looking holistically. Like why? Why are they? Why are they being sent on this path? Is it something that they've learned from their parents, or is it they've not? They're from a broken home, or they're not? You know, the statistics of, of people that are in jail from broken homes is is unbelievable, and I'm a firm believer that, you know, it sounds a bit a bit strange, but 
you know, we all just want, we, as kids and as humans, we all just want loved. We just want loved from our parents, um, from, really it is, it's, it's, it's your parents' love that we're after. And when people don't get that, we get disconnected and we end up on really bad paths that, you know, but that being in the prison service opened my eyes to, to all of this. And Man Clan, for me, you know, knowing quite a lot of um, military people that are suffering and and loads of people are, are suffering and, and, they, and they're staying quiet because numerous reasons. But for guys, shame's a big one. Shame's a massive driver for mental health issues with guys. And, and, and they're shame that they're feeling this way and then they feel shame that so that they can't even, they can't even voice it. They can't articulate it to somebody with how they're feeling, you know. Um, and again, this can come down to our programming where we're, you know, big boys don't cry and, and all this stuff, but um, people don't want to ask for help, um, low self-esteem, loads of things can be drivers for, for mental health, not just males, I've got to say, but um, I do believe that, that females, uh, they speak about their emotions and things a lot, lot more open than guys. But for Man Clan, Man Clan isn't just... Um, you know, a talking group um, for people that are suffering, because you might not be suffering. Um, we all have mental health. And this is what I, I don't like, this, this, the stigma of when you say mental health, people automatically think mental illness or, or struggle. We all have mental health that we need to work on, just like we have physical health that we need to work on. We need to try and eat a balanced diet for our physical health and our mental health. And we need to exercise for our physical health and our, and our mental health. We, we need to do things, um, I, I advise things like meditation, breath work and things for um, our mental health also. And these are the type of things that we do at Man Clan. We have five pillars that we work on um, with people. And like I said, it's not just for people that are in crisis mode, let's say. Um, it's for people that just want to be proactive in uh, optimizing their health and at the same time they're going to get that connection with other human beings and they're going to maybe be able to help people that are maybe in crisis point and it's about bringing that almost tribe clan mentality of we're, we're all human we're all here to help each other and um, be better at anything that we want find our purpose get connection with each other help our environment um, and see what's actually bothering us so our five, our five pillars are uh, brain and emotions that we work on, we kind of try and educate. Uh, Jim's uh, um, emotional health coach, so he, he talks about it, that it's really hard, especially for guys, to actually articulate what emotions they've got. You've maybe got about five emotions that you can you can say, I am angry, I feel this, I feel that. And there's something like thousands of different emotions that I've never heard of, but... <laughs> Yeah, so he, he he takes that quite a lot, and we, we do um, the next one's breathing and, and uh, movement, so do a lot of uh, the breath coaching and, and how how we breathe can um, affect our nervous system and therefore affect our our mindset. Um, if we are chronic overbreathers, for example, we are going to be stuck in the fight or flight sympathetic, and it can induce anxiety, and we don't even realise it because we're constantly breathing through our mouth and not low slow and deep through our nose that we should optimally movement's a big one um a big one that sometimes we do too much um we can we can be stimulated to go 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 and constantly train to burn out 
Um, even if we don't feel burnout, um, we need to understand the, the yin and the yang when it comes to training. We have the catabolic phase, which is actually the training phase. And we have the anabolic phase, which is the, the rest and recovery. This is where we actually do the growth and getting stronger or fitter or whatever we rest. If we work hard, we need to rest harder. And we do, we do um, some regenerative movements such as Tai Chi and yoga, which is what we call work in exercises in the Czech Institute. Um, if, you, if you think of workout as you're tired after it, you're expending in energy, whereas the work in exercises we're doing some exercises where we actually feel energized and go, oh, I feel amazing. We've all been there. It's like mid-afternoon and you feel tired, but actually you get up and start moving, you, you feel more energized. So then the next one, you just took a wee drink of water there. You've got hydration and nutrition, which is a big one. And, and this is another one that people, they think it's too simple. It's too simple that what is causing them issues is you're, you're not hydrated enough good quality of water um, and the next pillar is sleep and environment which is well sleep's a massive one why we sleep is as huge as we do a lot of well we do most of our healing whilst we sleep and um, our circadian biology needs to be on point and this also comes into our environment so inner environment that we spoke about and your outer environment so artificial light at night that you know that i'm uh, passionate about and and getting the the seeing the sunrise, seeing the the sunlight, and setting that circadian rhythm, um, is going to get you to optimal health. And the last one is connection and purpose, which as human beings we all th- strive for, um, being connected to something bigger than ourselves. And uh, whatever we're doing has to have a purpose. And for people joining Man Clan, it can be literally sitting there and holding that space for that person that's talking gives you purpose straight away, and it's going to help you. But yeah, that's man clan. That's uh, it's like a psychological necessity for us human beings to have that feeling of purpose and connection. I, yeah. I can't remember when I seen it, but I seen some sort of uh, statistic which was like there was a dramatic uh, increase in. Um, I know you don't necessarily like the uh, the phrase, but in people's mental health when they do have a, a, a goal or some sort of something they're working towards because again it gives them some sort of some sort of purpose. Yeah. Um and another thing that that you reminded me of is uh have you heard of a guy called Sad Guru? Yep. So he I watched a video of his talking about water and that we're 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 seventy percent water and if you're not taking in enough water you're not drinking quality water that will have an effect like you mentioned yeah so that was a uh that, that's what that reminded me of and see taking it you also said uh, uh breathing how does that how how does that like affect our uh, emotions our uh, feelings how we feel about ourselves when we partake in and like these breathing exercises where that's wim hof or some of the other ones um, that 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 people use. How does that actually have an effect, and why why does that help us? So the the breathing yeah is a there is a bidirectional impact to your mental health and your emotional state. So for example, you mentioned the Wim Hof. If we are hyperventilating, it's highly stimulating. 
Okay, we're going into a sympathetic state. So for those that don't know, our autonomic nervous system, so everything that happens automatically in the body, so like your digestion, your heat regulation, your breathing, the, your heart beating, all these things, all these functions that happen automatically without us consciously having to think about doing it, has two branches to it. The parasympathetic branch, which is the rest, digest, and recovery um, branch of the autonomic nervous system, and the sympathetic nervous system, which is your fight, flight, freeze uh, system. Now, when we, we can hack into our autonomic nervous system, now the way we can do that is we are in control of how we breathe at any one time. So it's very powerful, the breath. Again, it's something that people think is too simple, and they just rubbish it. It needs to have a complicated name to to work or whatever. But breathing is your anchor to your nervous system. We, If we hyperventilate like a Wim Hof style, Tumo style breathing, we are highly stimulating sympathetic response. Okay. Now, this is putting us in a stressful state. Now, this is where we need to understand that being stressed isn't always a bad thing. Okay, it's called hormetic stress, right? It's a controlled stressor. And we do this with the cold exposure as well. Being in an acute phase, we are causing a stress to the body. But when we cause an acute stress, we then have adaptations, right? Just like if we were to stress our bicep by doing bicep curls. We stress that bicep, we, we, we tear the muscle fibers, we're causing stress. But when we rest, that the body adapts and it grows back the muscle fibers stronger. So we've adapted, okay? We do that exact same with doing um, breathing and uh, the highly stimulating ones where we stimulate the sympathetic nervous system. We are flooding the body full of adrenaline and cortisol, okay? Which is the stress hormones. So if we are not doing it acutely, so we are not in control of it, if we are doing it chronically, you know, unconsciously, mouth breathing. And when we mouth breathe, we tend to breathe quite shallow. So we're not using the diaphragm. And we breathe faster then because it's shallow. And if you picture yourself, or you get any listeners, picture someone you believe is unhealthy. Now picture them walking up a flight of stairs, five stairs. What are they doing? They're mouth breathing. They're like, oh, 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 all right, hi. Okay, they're breathing through their mouth and they're breathing quite fast. Now, the normal breathing rate is about between 12 and 15 a minute. But optimally, we should be breathing about six a minute. I think it's 5.5 seconds in, 5.5 seconds out. It's optimal for gas exchange, oxygenating the tissues and things. But back to what you asked about the emotional state is you need to understand when we are hacking into or in control of the nervous system through breath work, whatever we're in parasympathetic, we are going to feel calm. So what kind of thing, what kind of emotions are we going to produce when we feel calm? We might have a sense of gratitude, um, but when we are highly stimulated, what are we going to feel? If we go too far and for too long, we are going to go from alert and activity, ready to go, which is good if you're about to exercise or stuff, to overthinking, anxiety, and then it comes into these uh, negative feedback loops of thinking and overthinking. So 
yeah, the breath's really, really powerful, but we're in control of it. We can control it. And doing simple exercises to help you with your sleep or to help you calm down is, you know, you can do it. And like I said, people think it's, it's too simple to work, but it does. It does work. Um, but just like meditation, it's a practice and you, you need to practice it, especially if you are a chronic overbreather then your chemosensitivity to carbon dioxide is probably quite high. So as soon as you start slowing down your breath, you're going to feel that breath hunger more. And again, it's about training that um, and, and adapting to the breath hunger so that you can, you can optimise your breathing. Mm. Have you read Breath by James Nestor? I have, yes. Yeah. That, fantastic. Just, it is a fantastic book, you're right. You just reminded me of reminded me of that uh, where that hunger. Correct me if I'm wrong, but that hunger isn't actually your body uh, start like needing oxygen. Your body's oxygen levels are staying the same, but it's sort of like, is, am I right in saying it's your reptilian brain saying you need to take a breath? You need to take a breath. Yeah, it's actually it's the it's the chemosensitivity to carbon dioxide. So as soon as you hold your breath, the the first sign that you'll need to breathe is maybe a flutter in the diaphragm or it's saying, right, we need, a, we need to breathe here. But if you have a um, SpO2 meter on here um, for your blood oxygen levels, it'll be in the normal range between 95 and 99. But you're like, but I really need to breathe. I really need to take a breath in. And it's not that you need the oxygen. It's, the, it's your body is very, very sensitive to a rise in carbon dioxide. Okay? So the real reason that you need to take a breath is for your body to get rid of some of that carbon dioxide. That's the real reason to breathe. And when we do breath work, breath work isn't about oxygen. Breath work is about manipulating carbon dioxide levels. That is what it is. Now, carbon dioxide always used to get um, a bad name for itself as some kind of toxic waste um, from your metabolism. But there is a, a um, big function for, for carbon dioxide. Now, carbon dioxide is the, the uh, precursor for your hemoglobin to actually release the oxygen from the blood. So when you highly oxygenate yourself with things like tumor breathing or Wim off, you are highly oxygenating your body, but it's all stored in the blood. Okay? And this is where you, you get, get slightly alkaline. This is a, a big one for the Wim Hof, slightly alkaline body. No disease can survive in an alkaline body. Gary uh, Ada, but what it's doing is it's holding on to that oxygen. When we do the long breath holds after Wim Hof is when we bring the, C, the CO2 levels up. It sends the signals for the hemoglobin to let go of the oxygen and the oxygen gets delivered to where it's supposed to be, which is the vital organs and the tissues um, so it's one of the, one of the things uh, have you read the book the oxygen advantage no but i've heard of it but uh, so that's i'm actually an oxygen advantage instructor um, and this is what I, I take quite a lot of my clients through especially the athletes that are um they're wanting the oxygen advantage funnily enough is um we are trying to to condition them to needing less air and it's not needing less air it's actually we're conditioning them to be able to withstand high levels of carbon dioxide um, 
And I, I work with my, my, my sponsored fighters, uh, Luke, Mark and Kier, and they, they do the auction advantage and their cardio is going through the roof. We can also hack it into tricking the body into actually um, producing uh, nitric oxide and uh, EPO, which we make ourselves, which um, you might know that um, quite a lot, I think it was quite a big scandal with the Tour de France, quite a lot of the, quite a lot of the cyclists were taking EPO, which um, basically helps their, their cardiovascular uh, endurance so that they don't get tired. But um, so we're uh, made in our spleen and we can stimulate um, altitude uh, training for your spleen to actually produce that yourself. So you, you produce your, uh, enhance your cardiovascular endurance. Is that like, um, all through the breath. Sorry, mate. Is that like, uh, uh, is, it, is it the Gurkhas? Is it the Gurkhas yeah. who, because they're at such high level, uh, high altitude, they've got a higher level of oxygen levels in their blood cells. Is that some, Is that along the same lines? Yeah, yeah. Well, you, you just need to look at um, any, any of the, the Kenyans and uh, Ethiopians and people that are at high altitude. Um, it's a known fact that, that they can, they, they um, utilize the oxygen so much better and they have higher levels of EPO and stuff. And that's why they're, they're fantastic distance runners and, and it's just, it's in their physiology. Mm. But, this is this is through breath holds and doing doing things and it's it's, it's quite hard training the ocean advantage stuff but um through breath holds we can simulate the altitude training and uh, trick our body into making those adaptations as if we are uh, training at altitude so how can someone start that today after listening to say this this podcast how could someone go in and practice what would you recommend them to to first Starting off with breath work. So the first thing I'd recommend is either get in touch with an auction advantage instructor to, to go through it with them or even just read the book. If you read the book and there is some exercises in there um, that you can try. Um, but ultimately, I would get in, I would get in touch with um, with an instructor um, that can take you through all the practices so you, so you know you're doing it right and get you on a, a training program uh, for it to get the auction advantage. So is that a really important part of it is to stay consistent with a training program? Taking, yep. So your breath coach, when it comes to um, athletes, uh, should just be as important as your strength and conditioning coach, if you're wanting that edge. Um, but yeah, it's about being consistent. So your, your uh, coach will give you homework to do um, every day and maybe once or twice a week uh, you'll do a training session uh, with them. Yeah, nice. And Wim Hof's method is the one I'm most familiar with, and that's yep. uh, often, obviously, coupled with cold water therapy. And I'd yep. like to touch into uh, your experience with cold water therapy or, or, or cold water exposure, because um, I know that you do that consistently uh, every morning. And can you touch upon how you actually got started doing that? Because that's something that is I admire a lot about you yeah. doing that consistently even through these colder months because it's easy yeah. it's more easier to do it in summertime obviously but coming into these cold winters i mean it, it's yeah it's cold as fuck that water man it's the best <laughs> time it's, it's the best time to, to do it but you should start you know i think that if you're doing natural cold plunges like i am the best time to start is around september and if you're consistent with it it is going to gradually get colder um each week but yeah, so cold water exposure and uh, 
the Wim Hof breathing. So, like I was saying, the Wim Hof breathing, it's uh, basically, it's very similar to the ancient Tibetan practice of Tumo, which the um, Tibetan monks used to use it to heat themselves up in the Himalayas. And they would actually do the breathing style and they would put wet towels on them and they would be able to see the steam coming from the, the towels because they were, they were stimulating themselves that much that it was, um, it was lifting their core temperature. Um, so they could be out at that altitude, basically half naked. But yeah, Wim Hof, it's a very, it's a pop, very popular breathing, and uh, I think it wouldn't have got as popular if it hadn't, uh, if he hadn't been as charismatic as he is, um, and done some of the things. But like we said, it's a, a hermetic stressor, so we make adaptations every day when, when we do it. We're putting ourselves in that stressful state um, voluntarily. Um, I would always advise not to do that style of breathing uh, late at night because we are affecting our physiology. We are flooding the body with adrenaline and uh, cortisol. So it will halt your melatonin production um, at night where we want to sleep. Um, but it's a very, very um, good and powerful uh, breathing practice that I would recommend people people have a look at it and, and, and go for it. But yeah, just choose the, the time of days uh, to do it. Morning especially is probably best. Um, but yeah, uh, and then obviously Wim Hof does the, the cold exposure. Now, how I got started with cold exposure, well, I could go way, way back to my military time. Um, we were amphibious commandos, so we were wet and cold all the time. We did Arctic training. We do our ice-breaking drills. I don't know if you've seen it with the uh, Royal Marines. We um, get skied into into uh, a lake that's basically, it's simulating if we were um, skiing across a frozen lake and we fell in. We have to do the ice-breaking drills where we go into the ice water, get our bergens out, swim to the other side, ask a few, uh, answer a few questions by calming ourselves down, um, and then uh, ask for permission to get out and pull ourselves out. So I've done quite a lot of cold exposure without actually knowing the benefits to it at the time. I just thought, right, I'm doing this because it's a survival thing and whatever. And obviously throughout the commando course and commando training, you're wet all the time. It's one of the punishments they do. They'll go right in the tank, right, get in the sea, right, get in the river. And you're like, right, I'm absolutely soaking wet and living outside and, and all this stuff. Um, so I've done a lot of cold exposure before knowing the benefits of it all. Feeling the benefits, because when I look back, I think, wow, like, the military was on point with resilience training there. Like, you, you hated it at the time, and you thought, fucking, why are they doing this? Now you know why. It's amazing, absolutely amazing for you. And why you're some of the fittest, fittest guys you'll ever meet are in the military with it, endurance-wise and things, is we're doing this every day. It's fantastic, and uh, as well as you know, naturally grounding and naturally being out at sunrise and, you know, because you're always at stand to sunrise in case you get attacked. And so you're getting that natural circadian health. It's, it's amazing when I look back at it and go, we were, doing, we were doing all that as part of our military training. But actually, being out in nature, breathing in those terpenes from, you know, the pine and stuff, amazing. Being out in the sunlight and boosting our natural melatonin levels and, so even though we're doing sleep deprivation and things like that, our 
sleep was optimised because our circadian health was on point. We're doing natural cold uh, thermogenesis um, and grounding and earthing because we're touching the ground all the time and we're lying on sentry and things. It's fantastic getting all those free electrons from, from Mother Earth. It's fantastic. But yeah, so kind of that was my background. Then obviously just studying and looking at the work of Dr. Jack Cruz um, where he lost loads of weight on uh, cold thermogenesis um, and then people like uh, your Wim Hof um, I decided right I'm, I'm going to start implementing this again and and again it's another hormetic stressor a, a controlled stressor for us and and I, I believe that it's just so powerful I, I think in Scotland especially you know we at winter it gets cold we are supposed to feel the cold we got disconnected from nature again where we're you know we're in a put the heating on and getting the car put the heating on and getting the clinic put the heating on and we're just constantly warm we're not regulating our own heat um, and temperature so we've lost that skill and that then affects our mitochondria and our, and our cells and um, when we get exposed to to the cold it's got so much benefits to it um, our mitochondria so every cell in your body is going to be working optimally we are reducing inflammation um, there's so much that we're doing we're boosting um, our dopamine and our metabolism and there's too many to list but a really good one I think is we're building resilience we're building resilience to stress that's what we're doing because it is a controlled stressor. So every single morning, Sunrise Club, I get in a freezing cold lock, um, and that's a stressor. It's When you're in there, your body will naturally go into a sympathetic state, and you'll be gasping. When you first do it, you'll be... Because <sighs> it's taking your breath away, and your body's pushing all the blood to the peripheries to say get out of this, fight or flight, we need to get out of this perceived threat. But through our breathing, we can control that stress response and we breathe in through our nose, long exhales through our mouth, really long, and that sends a signal to say, actually, I'm safe. Because if you think about your stress response, your fight or flight response, your body knows no different from life-threatening to... You're, you're, you've been stressed to, you've got, I don't know, you've got a presentation to do at work, you've got an interview coming up, you're, you're meeting somebody you don't like or you, you fell out with the missus or anything like that. It's life or death. Fight or flight is life or death. That's it. It's a perceived threat. That's it. So it's the exact same physiological response every time. When you go into the water, we get that physiological response. Get out, get out. We control that stress response and tell the body, actually, I'm okay. So the body goes, well, he wouldn't be breathing like this if he was getting chased by a lion. If he was in a perceived life or threatening uh, situation, he wouldn't be breathing like this. So what we're going to do is we're going to put all the blood to our core and we're going to heat up. We're going to mobilize the hormones to keep uh, keep them nice and warm and everything. And you become cold water adapted. You've just controlled that stress response and in turn, you have just became more resilient to every stressor, life stressors, because you can control it and you know you can control it with your breath. Um, so yeah, this is kind of the things that we go through at Sunrise Club. So Sunrise Club just started 
Um, myself, it was something that I wanted to keep myself accountable for. And, um, you know, you are what you do, not what you say you'll do. And I could see my days getting busier and busier and a lot of things were like self kind of work was getting put to one side for helping others. And I says, no, I can walk the morning. I know the importance of seeing the sunrise for my circadian health. Um, I'll, I'll always earth every day, so why not do it there? With and Instead of getting a cold shower, why don't you go and reconnect with nature um, and do it? So I started Sun, Sunrise Club for myself. And it was a bit of a spiritual practice um, that I would do religiously. And I put it out to Man Clan that I was doing this and expected other people maybe just to do it wherever they are. But a few people have been I started joining me doing it. Um, and again, they're, they're feeling the benefits and saying, okay, well, I'm going to just keep coming when I can as, as much as possible. And yeah, so now it's, it's you know, Man Clan Sunrise Club, but really anybody can join me. It's not a, it's not an organised kind of event like come and do this because we wouldn't do that through COVID anyway. But it's this, that I'll be here every morning for sunrise. If somebody wants to join me and want to stay socially distanced, you can come and do it and, and I'll, I'll talk you through it. Although some people are coming. Um, end of November and it's their first ever cold plunge and it's like well this is maybe a little bit um, much for you so I would say dip your feet in and see how you feel and things and as long as you've no underlying health conditions come in and I'll try and coach you through it um, which is good to see and this is the kind of thing that you're wanting to do you want to say to people be proactive with your health go, people always go like oh you're mental doing that and it's a total like I say, I always fight my ego. It's not an egotistical thing. and I do film it, but I always go in and I get like five, ten minutes with the phone away, take it all in and be totally mindful. Like I said, it's a spiritual practice for me. Um, and then I go out and I get the phone, I come back in and I do a bit. And, and I've always thought about not filming it now or, or not doing a, a, a picture or anything because I'm battling that ego and it's not just for the gram or whatever. Um, but I've had so many people shout out to me and say, oh, I really want to get started and do all this. So it's a bit like, well, if it's helping other people and it's maybe going to push them to, to try it or do it, then I'll just, I'll continue. I'll continue um, uh, doing the video. So I apologise. I'm going to continue videoing it. Right, it's another way to keep yourself accountable as well. Uh, yes. Yeah. And what I was going to say there is, is cold showers. What's the difference between, uh, you know, going out to, say the black lock or wherever you, you, you go to choose to do your, your natural cold plunge, what's, what benefits are you getting from going out into nature and do that as opposed to taking a cold shower? So cold showers are fantastic. I would say anybody that is getting started, there, there is actually a video on my, my Instagram on how to get started with um, cold exposure and uh, cold showers and things. And it's always maybe do f uh, face dunking in the, in the, um, sink or get your peripheries in there get your, your feet and your hands in for a couple of minutes and then do cold showers maybe 10-15 seconds after your hot shower and just focus on uh, controlling that breath throughout it and then just up the time and once, you've, once you're doing maybe 5 minutes in a cold shower no problem, you can, you can maybe do a cold bath and then you're looking to maybe get a wee bit colder every time um, Natural cold plunges, for me, it's it's the whole thing. 
It's the spiritual practice of actually going back out into nature. Um, so if you want to talk the science of it all, the first light that we should be seeing in the morning is the sunrise. Hence the Sunrise Club. Okay? It does so much for us. It, start, it switches on our pituitary gland to, to start um, a, all, the, all the hormones of the day that we need. Um, it's boosting our circadian health and the circadian biology. So things are happening when sh they should be happening. Um, it um, helps produce the melatonin in your eye, which is, a lot of people don't know this, but you know your melatonin, which is actually secreted by your pineal gland, starts in the eye through um, getting those uh, light waves in, into the eye in the morning from sunlight. Um, it boosts your dopamine levels with sunlight. Um, we don't need to really worry about it in Scotland at this time of year because we don't get UVA and UVB, but the melanopsin in our skin, it starts the, the solar callus, so it starts prepping the skin for the, the harsher light uh, beams that, that come through uh, say midday, but like I said, at this latitude, we don't really get the UVA and UVB at this uh, time of year. Um, but it does so much for us. It's a, it's 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 what we're we're going back to nature. We are a part of nature, and it's what we're supposed to be doing. What we do is, those of people, their alarm goes off, they look at their phone straight away. The phone screen is about fifty-five thousand Kelvin, which is similar to midday sun. And as soon as it's hitting the the um, photoreceptors in, in, in the, the eyes, it's telling your brain that it's midday and you've just got up and checked your phone. It's midday, so straight away, circadian rhythm's out. It's starting to mobilise everything for midday when it's actually first thing in the morning. Um, we also, on the, the Sunrise Club and doing the natural plunges, is we are getting the free electrons from the earth when we are standing barefoot. So I don't know if you've read the book Earthing or uh, seen anything when it, some people call it grounding, some people call it earthing, but there's a lot of science out there now. Again, if you think of us as a battery, basically, because we are, we're uh, electrical, is it gets rid of all the positive ions that we are bombarded with through EMFs. So ERSA, so it gets rid of that, and we pick up negative ions from the from the ground and electrons, um, which boost our energy. Um, I don't know if you know much about the electron transport uh, chain. I don't. I don't, but it, it makes sense to me because I'm an I'm what I do for my job is I'm an apprentice electrician, so I yep. sort of I'm sort of fascinated by that type of stuff. Anyway, yep. and it makes sense what you're saying. Um, yep. But one, what is what's on is is EMF, electromagnetic field, field or frequent yeah. field? Field, yeah. So every electrical, um, even us, we actually have an electromagnetic field. We have a very, very big one in our heart. Um, all gives off um, these uh, um, magnetic fields and radiation, and it bombards our body with uh, positive ions. And when we ground, we get rid of all that. And this can cause inflammation. Where there's studies showing now with um, the grounding and earthing when we stand. If you think the easiest way of thinking about it is, if you think about your um, blood getting almost um, jelly-like, right? So it's starting to clot a little. When we stand on the earth, it then starts to look like a red wine. So it's going to help your um, blood pressure, earthing, 
helps with inflammation because we're getting that extra electrons, so it's boosting our mitochondria, so boosting our immune system. Um, and then obviously we've got the cold. Again, when we're in the cold, it's doing all these things of cold thermogenesis. And you're out in nature. So you're breathing in the, the natural air. Like I said, the terpenes from the uh, trees. So it's kind of, it's got everything. It's got everything. Mm-hmm. Compared to getting up, this is still good for anybody that does it or hasn't got the time um, to, to do the Sunrise Club or whatever. Get up and have a cold shower. Um, and what I would say for people that are doing that and are maybe at this time of year working, um, they go to work in the dark and they come home in the dark, is if they can't get out for, instead of cigarette breaks or coffee breaks, get out for light breaks and try and get as much skin on show as possible. Get yourself a red light uh, device, mitochondria, uh, do the best devices about. Um, get the, get them out and get, get that on there first thing in the morning um, instead of just being in the uh, artificial light and then last thing at night. Um, try and control your light exposure. Um, I use personally use blue light blocking glasses. I have uh, red light bulbs all around the house. My wife thinks I'm crazy, but it's what we do to protect, the, protect their health. Um, but yeah, so that, that that's Sunrise Club. We have we get Earthing on the go. We obviously see the sunrise, which has all the benefits of seeing full spectrum light um, for our uh, circadian health. And then we get our natural uh, cold thermogenesis, especially this time of year because it's getting really cold. And just being out in nature, you're mindful. You take it all in. You see the for us, we, we see the geese every day coming down and flying down and. It's just uh, spectacular, especially when you get a really good, uh, a good sunrise. And see if the clouds are, say, covering the sunrise. Am I right in saying you still get the benefits of that full spectrum light? Yes, you do. So, roughly thirty percent of the the light waves will still get through heavy cloud. So you're still getting it. Still get your eyes and skin in the game. Get that out there. Get exposed to to sunlight, and you're still going to get the benefit to it. Um, yeah, because any any one time, uh, 42% of the sun is red and near-infrared, so we can't even see the, the near-infrared anyway, mm. but it's there, 41% of it. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. so even, we're, we're from Scotland, that we have a lot of cloudy days, get out there, that should be the first the first light that, that hits your uh, hits your eyes, should be the um, the, the sunrise, even if it's cloudy you're still going to get the benefit. Okay, well said. Uh, we've been on for, for it's went really quick, if I'm being honest. We've, we've still got a handful of topics that I wish I could, I wish I could uh, uh, discuss with you. Um, but to, to sort of wrap us up, Dougie, where can people get in touch with you? Where can people keep up to date? And, and can you tell us a bit more about that? Yeah, so you can find me on all the, this, the social media. Um, I'm a Dougie Scott Holistic Lifestyle Coach on Instagram and my business page is Back to Balance Bathgate. You'll get that in both Instagram and Facebook. I have a website, www.backtobalancebathgate.com and uh, our Man Clan group, we have uh, my Facebook and Instagram. I think the Instagram handle is man underscore clan one and it's just man clan. On Facebook, we have um, a public page and we have a private group page. So for anybody that's listening that wants to join, 
um, they can do, and there's loads of loads of good free content in there, um, and hopefully we'll get get our meetings uh, up and running again once uh, once we're out of tier four. Um, that is for anybody that wants to 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 come along to that or anything that is on a Sunday afternoon, um, bi-weekly um, through Bathgate. Um, but yeah, like I said, there is an online platform for it. Um, that if people we we, we do a, a um, group meeting through the rooms and Facebook group um, every Sunday for anybody that wants a chat with us. But yeah, so really it's just the social media, Dougie Scott, Holistic Lifestyle Coach, Man Clan, and Back to Balance Basket. Beautiful. Everything that you just mentioned there will be linked in the description of this podcast. So if you want to find any of that, that's where you'll find it. And to finally wrap us up, Dougie, what is an empowering piece of advice that you find yourself giving to clients, friends, people from the man, the man clan, or what's an empowering piece of advice that you've received from someone else? Um, it's a, a good question. I think there, there's there's a lot there's a lot I could say. Um, I would tell people to try and reconnect with nature. That's a big one. Try and reconnect with nature. And I'll go back to the saying that um, I've said already is, remember, trying to improve your circumstances by focusing on external factors is like trying to change your handwriting by changing your pen. Now, go inside with awareness, and you'll see the key is to change your inner reality. And do this by responding instead of reacting. And that's 90%. Uh, the process of transformations. That's it. That's well said. That is absolutely a brilliant way to finish up this podcast. Dougie, thanks again for carving out the time to make this happen, mate. I greatly appreciate it. And you've no dropped, problem. Dropped some value bombs on, on this podcast today. So I'd love to do this again sometime, mate. And we'll yeah, see. of course. We'll get of back. Of course, Gary. Thanks a lot for having me. Cheers, Dougie. Okay, podcast over. I really hope you enjoyed this episode of Project Empowered. I'm going to start reading out some reviews left on Apple Podcasts by you guys, the listeners, to try and engage more and get you guys involved in the actual recordings of these podcasts. So if you want your review to be featured on the episode at the end of the episode, make sure to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts as, again, it goes a long way in contributing towards the growth of this community and the growth of this podcast. So once again, thanks so much. And I'll see you in the next episode of Project Empowered. Peace. Peace.